0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Williams Project podcast. Today, Blair and I are going to be discussing general business. Now, every morning um, I call Blair, or Blair calls me, sometimes up to like 10 times a day, and we just have a general discussion. So today is one of those days. Um, We both actually, I'm in Sydney right now. Uh, Blair is in Christchurch, and we both independently got a wee niggle like we cold or something, but a bit of man flu coming. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna get it. I'm gonna fight it off. That's I what got a I strong said. Strong body, yeah. strong mind.
1: Last night I was like, I've, God, his throat's getting a bit sore. Odd cough, bit blocked up, and I was like, you know what? I'm just not gonna succumb to this. This. It's kind of like um. Well, I just don't
0: have fucking time. Yeah. Right. I have no time to get my teeth kicked in by a cold. So I'm going to eat like a million vitamin C. Oh,
1: see, I've always been a believer in that, but the issue I have is normally when I go, I think I might get sick soon, it's winter, I'll have vitamin C. Every single time, two days later, I'm
0: sick. Yeah, well, that's like saying, hey, I've only been in an ambulance when I break my leg.
1: Yeah, but I reckon I normally <laughs> go, I'll have vitamin C, it's winter, then catch cold.
0: Mm. I reckon it feeds, I, I, it feeds the germs. I think you're, you're correlating like, it's like,
1: I know what you're saying, though. It's kind of been like, yeah. oh, it's weird. Every time I drink, I wake up hungover. No idea why. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But no. Not. I'm no, a big like fan saying, of... Um, it's like saying don't have lemons, because every time I have three slices of lemon in my tequila shot, I get a hangover. Yeah. I'm a, it's um, like saying that. There's actually a word for that. I'm a big fan of the um, Sahara
1: Desert, though. The annotation of just, if my body's like a wasteland, just picture like a desert with a bit of tumbleweed, how the hell can the common cold survive?
0: We used to have a... There was a builder in Nelson um, called Emerson Midden. And he was like your typical tough builder. Like smoked lots of darts, drank lots of booze. Just your hard case old builder. And he, he got um, like sick. I can't remember what it was. It was like cancer or something. And it died. And it was just like the running joke was that... It was some it was some illness that was supposed to hammer him and it just died. And the running joke was just it, it could not survive in his body. Because um, it was too vast. So... My um, schedule at the moment is fucking brutal. I'm going to explain. Actually, no, it's not brutal. I love my schedule. I love the corporation. I love doing it. Okay, but anyway, I'm going to explain to you what Matthew's schedule looks like at the moment. Yeah,
1: it looks like shit today.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's terrible. So last week, um, I spent the week in Brisbane. I flew into Sydney last night and I'll be in Sydney till the 13th. I then fly to Christchurch and I'll be in Christchurch till the 20th. I then fly to Wellington and I'll be in Wellington until the 27th, but on the 22nd I'm going to chop her over to Nelson and spend the day in our Nelson office. From the 27th to the 3rd, oh, from the 27th to the 3rd, I'm going to be in Auckland, in our Auckland office. From the 3rd to the 7th, I'm going to be in our Tauranga office. From the 7th, to the 13th I'm gonna be in our Singapore office and from the 13th till the 21st I'm gonna, no, till the 28th I'm gonna be in the Cebu office setting up the office and setting up my call centre. And then I'm gonna come back from the 29th to the 4th and be on the boat for a week and ignore everyone.
1: That's a pretty hectic schedule. That was kinda of like my last month where I think I worked out, so this is my first, I've got a whole week in Christchurch this week and I've got nothing like on the weekends or like weddings or functions or anything. I was like, it seems really rare that I've got a whole week with, like, nothing that's going to take up a whole day in the weekend or whatever. And I went back in my calendar. It was like, since the middle of April was the last time I just had a week in Christchurch with my Saturday free and my Sunday free. How good. But it is fun. But like, we're not saying this in doing... a complaining way. It is actually a hell of a lot of fun going no, no, to I different love offices and getting out of town and... The niggle,
0: the niggle is the um, when you get a little bit a little bit like a sore throat or something. Yeah. You can do it, you can yeah. just do it in perfect health. But the second you get yourself hung over or um, or sick, it's it's less fun.
1: And the jet lag becomes a bit of a pain. Not the have that you've been in New Zealand, but the whole like I
0: dodge the jet lag because I stage it, because I go, well, not this trip, but normally I would go New Zealand, Australia, Asia. So I do them in like two small hours, increments. then four hours. Yeah, but it's
1: still the whole concept. Like when you're in like Singapore and Philippines, if you even if you wake up like seven a.m., that's like eleven a.m. in New Zealand, and your phone's just like exploded with phone calls, emails, group chats. So you kind of have to be getting up at like four in the morning to have like a nice enjoyable start to your day of easing into it. But then the flip side is you get the benefit of at two p.m., you've done a full day's work and no one's trying to bother you, and you can actually have a bit of you time.
0: One one thing I do, I have my sleep blocked out in my calendar. So I actually have it blocked out as 10:30 New Zealand time, which is 8:30 Australian time, which is like might be like 6:30 in 6:30 in Asia. And so and I actually I don't follow it perfectly, but I always keep that block in my calendar and I make an effort to sleep as close to that block as possible. So I try to keep on the same time zone, even though I've, I live in, across six six hour difference of time zone, I make an effort to try keep it as similar as possible. Because I do really think that uh, those Aura sleep rings
1: are so beneficial, especially in travelling, and I think it's not the whole, oh, I want to see how I feel, so I'm going to check my ring. It's more about like, you always sort of know roughly if you feel good or feel bad, but getting that long term data... And it's really weird, like last week when I was in Queenstown, I was having like quite good sleep, getting like seven hours, eight hours, but my readiness score was like crap. Like it gives you a score out of 100. Mm. And I got like three days in a row between 50 and 55 and like wasn't drinking, wasn't getting drunk, having a respectable bedtime. And then that's why I'm probably sick now, but it was showing me that data like five, six days ago.
0: Not. And it's it's also because your body when you're not hammering it is like i don't know there's something about like when you start looking after your body you actually get worse before you get better like you can be on like a two-week semi-bender and like sleeping four hours a night working all day drinking beers all night and be fine and then you're like you know what i'm gonna be healthy and you have like three nights off and your body like gets sick and you feel terrible
1: Oh, it's a pain in the ass.
0: The human body is so fucking resilient.
1: I do agree. (laughs) I completely agree. (laughs) Especially if you worked at, like, well, not everyone, but for some of us, you worked at the amount of, like, cheeseburgers you've put through your body and, like, alcohol and, like, Red Bulls and energy drinks and just, just sugar and all sorts of bad stuff everyone takes. And you put it on the table and said, over the last 10 years, here's what I've made this tiny little liver process. Pretty amazing that we're not all just dead at the age of, like, Twelve.
0: Hmm. But you and I have been pretty healthy recently since we started doing our health insurance. Yeah, like we both do our blood pressure. Um, have your sleep ring on. where your watch. I need to do like, my blood we've... pressure again. Actually,
1: I think I got it you like, good at the yeah. Moment. I got on the green once, and I was like, "Oh fuck, don't need to check that anymore." But that is what it wants you to think. You have to actually get it green and then keep it green. Not get healthy and then be a piece of shit it's um, <laughs> so <laughs> <that's> true, true. <laughs> otherwise you're like oh I'm fit and healthy now I've been to the gym now I can be a piece of shit um, and it is something I need to work on I'm very much balanced through extremes of like go to the gym every single day and then not go for four months and then go to the gym every single day and then not go for four months where I should just be like a normal person and go like two to three times a week just forever Yeah. but I'm struggling with that balance so if anyone has any yeah, tips of how to gym. not get balanced through extremes I'd love to hear.
0: No, we just... And also, as we get older, right, we're getting more mature, in theory. And our responsibilities greater now. We're... Like, I've made a real effort since our High Achievers trip. I've I've hardly had more than... some Like, maybe four or five glasses of wine with dinner.
1: Yeah, but it never gets, like, ten or twelve.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah I've been really good since the High Achievers trip, because... And also, we need to, I was actually going to talk to you about this, and we may as well do it live. I think we've got that next round of levelling up, like where we actually pull everyone aside and do another 10x. We've sort of, the business has sort of plateaued, and it's actually been really nice to plateau. We've got better systems in place, better training of people, um, better staffing in the corporation. We're writing the manuals, we're doing the systems and processes. But I reckon we should set a date and have another big jump up. Oh, you could
1: definitely feel. You know what I'm trying to say. Eh? things like this will be the first year where we'll roughly stay the same size as far as like number of homes delivered. Or if it is an increase, it won't be like a double or a triple like it has been for the last six or seven years. And the benefit. No, of, for our
0: delivery, it's going
1: to be we're going to double. Would do you mean selling for the next? Yeah, year Yeah, like selling for the next yeah. year. Sorry, not. Yeah, deliveries will double, but as far as sales into the next year, will be similar. Mm-hmm.
0: Hey, hold on! I might be able to fucking get there, buddy. Yeah, I know. Don't, but don't, I'm, I'm not, don't roll me I'm out. I'm not forecast the future, but
1: I'm just saying the benefit of being in like yeah, a get, somewhat um, consolidation period, is it does give you resources and time to be like, right? Let's set up the Philippines. Right? How do we increase our Singapore sales? Right? We need to have department manuals. How can we improve our systems and processes? And it is like really painful because it's just like it's the shit that you really can't bother doing. So it's so easy to be like. We need department manuals. Can someone go do that, please? But honestly, unless you have meetings and follow up and check things and keep them up to date, nothing happens. Um, But I think, like Matthew said, once we finish this next round of levelling up from a resource systems processes, having the correct staff in the right place and the right remuneration, when we decide to sort of hit go again, I think we'll be a real lean machine,
0: um, way better than what we've been to date. By
1: the way, a night and a day difference.
0: It's quite funny because I had a buddy um, call this Adam Hazelwood shout out to Adam Hazelwood and he's like hey just calling to let you know um, I was I was out somewhere and someone was talking shit about you guys um, just wanted to just wanted to make you aware and just know that as your buddy if anything's ever wrong you can always tell me and I'm like one you're a legend thanks for calling um, two We're delivering four houses every working day like we settled 56 million dollars of real estate last month like i'm not going to tell you how much we made but you can guess industry averages and guess if you deliver 56 million dollars worth of houses in one month what we walked away with but like we we've never it's like that interview blair with jeff bezos and he's talking and he said our stock was crashing And yet I was looking at all of our internal reports, and our numbers have never been better as far as volumes, margins, um, blah, blah, blah. As we enter this consolidation phase, I I I would be bold enough to say, short of back when it was just you and me doing everything, building 50 houses a year, we have never been tidier as far as systems, processes.
1: Especially like with the quantum contingent of contingent risk. Well I said if like 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 Matthew said, it's sort of roughly doing a house every two hours on a working day, like keys to customers, I like had the finish getting paid, not just buying a block land and saying that's fit another fifty homes, like the actual delivery aspect. If like given like the quantity of paperwork back and forth, emails back and forth, like loans, settlements, repayments, transfers, handovers, maintenance warranties, all that sort of stuff. Um, it's definitely probably the tighter it's ever been. We still have a huge amount to do, and we can definitely get far, far tighter in a lot of aspects. But as far as at a high level, there's a a lot more right than wrong. Just sort of what we usually say is the key to success, is just do more right than wrong for 10 years in one industry. Preferably in a good industry, because like, it's kind of hard. It doesn't matter if industry. you're
0: the best wooden tennis racket manufacturer on the planet. No one wants a wooden tennis racket. Yeah,
1: I was going to say paper clips, but I'm like, if there was one company that sold every paper clip in the world, he's probably like a billionaire. Every person on the planet used paper clips.
0: Mm, agree. I like pull noodles. Completely agree.
1: Stupidest idea, but paul noodles. Guys probably fucking mega wealthy.
0: By the way, have you noticed how well the Auckland sales team's doing? They're demoing that Rosebank development. Yeah. We always find in development
1: sites, either we release it to market and you get that massive initial rush, or it sort of like sits there with everyone in the marketplace, like looks at it like a possum and the headlights being like, what do I do? Do I buy it? Do I run? And then all of a sudden you get like the first one and then it's like a domino effect of second, third, fourth, fifth till it's sold out. And there's no rule of thumb. Sometimes the projects you think will fly out the door and release are the ones that sit for three weeks with nothing, then all sell out. And sometimes the ones that you're thinking to sit are the really popular ones that go on the day, drives you a bit
0: mad. The, the one thing I do want to do is focus on lots more small standard projects in the machine. Yeah. This just locks of twelve just, to fifteen in and out. Mm. And Building up that really just cranking up that work in progress. Like now is absolutely the time for us to be pushing because we're still raising capital uh from the market which means the market still believes in us uh we still we can buy land at great prices at great terms and we still sold 45 houses last month that's 49 i think oh 49 and i think we could quite easily do more than that this month um so like yeah just be just be legends and build heaps of houses well what's
1: amazing like no one knows what's going to happen in the world interest rates and Western society, I don't think it's going to collapse or hopefully not anytime soon. Um, but they're all going about interest rates are rising at rapid rates. Then like yesterday, ASB dropped their two-year mortgage rate, which usually is an indication that they think interest rates will fall in about two years' time or be lower than the what they're offering. The banks were
0: taking too much margin there. Yeah, and The then banks like, were fucking margin gouging oh, ridiculous. But now like
1: BNZ's offering that like 1% cashbacks and that's what Matthew and I were saying. I think we said it on an earlier podcast is When interest rates rise, the market slows down. The banks all of a sudden go, oh, shit, we're a bank. We need to make money for our shareholders and have these (laughs) billion-dollar profits. But we've all of a sudden been too conservative, said the market's going to fall, stopped lending to anyone, and now we're not going to make money. Shit, how do we go and make money again? Oh, we need to go lend more money into residential lending, which is now hence you see interest rates coming back. Not coming back to where they were, but banks going, we can't be margin-hungry. We need to be as fair and reasonable relative to the OCR. Can we do cashbacks? Can I think ANZ now did something where if you've already They're got like
0: twenty thousand dollars cashbacks,
1: it was quite a lot. Yeah, no, but ANZ's done something now. I'm gonna butch this, but it's roughly um, correct. It's if you've already got a mortgage with ANZ, you can like borrow up to might be like eighty thousand dollars at really cheap, like one or two percent to use it to buy like an electric car or solar panels or a battery for your house or like it was some like green initiatives in your house but it's the bank going how do we make more money and then you start to get all these different product offerings
0: creative yeah
1: Um, and and if you're one of those people where you started to buy lots of properties and the banks were a pain in the ass and start going you need to slow down you're not being conservative enough nothing lasts forever even though they've been gouging you for like 30-40% deposits on each property all of a sudden, now is the time where they call you and be like, hello, how many more houses would you like? Because you're a valued client of ours and we think that new lending is really risky. So we're going to go back to our customers that have just backed us and paid their mortgage every week.
0: Well, do you know what's so funny? We, You and I were just buying another two properties each from Williams Corp. And I was worried that the banks were going to be a pain in the ass. So I had our accountant Liam send the two properties, so four properties total to four banks. And I'm like, one of them will sort it. All four of them came back and said yes. So now we're actually back in the situation where we have more banks trying to lend us personal money than um, we have properties to buy. Where if you went back, say, six months, the banks were really hyper difficult.
1: Yeah, I think it's kind of like banks kind of, in my opinion, banks have like these in-house economists, whether you like them or not or they're right or wrong, they do generally a slightly better job of forecasting the future than what the general public do. So if the market's rising hot, the economist, it's very easy for him to say we need to be cautious because the market's rising rapidly, which means it's going to fall, and they get conservative. Whereas when the market's falling, the economist goes, the market's falling but not as much as what I thought it would do, which means it's going to go up So, which means it's a good time for us to lend money.
0: Mm and in the public we well, put it this way let's just to the economists listening it's really 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 simple i'll give you the equation for property the world's population is seven to eight billion right 7.8 as of today it's going to grow to 11 billion before the end of the century there's approximately 2 to 3 billion living below a standard that we would consider desirable and when it's 11 billion let's just call that 3 or 4 billion that we want to elevate all those people into the middle class right when have you heard the following one a loser bureaucrat that works for say a council saying i'm going to make it easier for you to get your consent two a labor person a person that works on a construction site saying do you know what this year i'm going to drop my rate three a factory being able to produce a product cheaper, that's one's actually a maybe. Sometimes factories can produce cheaper materials to build the house. But the point is, is that there's more people every year needing to buy the houses, and every year we build them, they're more expensive.
1: And I always go, like, we are sort of proven in this last year or so in the construction industry of, I do agree with the sentiment of we need to build our way out of the problem, as far as if we can't, if we do not have enough houses, build more to hope balance at equilibrium so we usually build say 30,000 homes here as an industry in the last 12 months we consented 50,000 homes and then you get jib shortages labor shortages this and this and this because the industry might have an extra 10 20 percent capacity up its sleeve to get up to say 35,000 but it doesn't have the capacity to just go from 30 to 50 overnight with or without COVID with or without these shipping issues and then on top of that I've always said that another metric like Matthew said, is about the inflation of goods plus obviously immigration is a major one is the average house is 2.5 people average makeup's one couple is it easier to build one house for that couple to live in or just for two people to get off a plane and say they want to live in new zealand but when you get like a triple seven plane of say 300 passengers arrive yes some are tourists yes some might be staying long term but for argument's sake say they're all staying here 300 people they roughly need 100 to 150 houses. Is it easier for that plane to land in Auckland, go through customs and walk outside to the taxi stand, or for us as a construction organisation to build 150 homes? And as long as it's easier for people to arrive, go through customs and say, I now want to live in New Zealand, have a job, buy a car, use your roads, live in a house, it's pretty obvious we're going to get that long-term price increase. And I love the fact that, like, people go, oh, house prices are going to crash because interest rates have risen but Christchurch is currently half the price of Auckland. So you'd sort of go, okay, maybe Auckland's the top end of the affordability scale, that might yeah, have Auckland's a correction. Auckland's half the
0: price of Sydney. Correct.
1: <laughs> and then Sydney's probably half the price of London and so forth. But it's like, why would Christchurch prices fall when they're half the price of Auckland? Wouldn't you say, Aucklanders can't afford a house, maybe they're going to move to Christchurch and prices will rise as demand increases in Christchurch, which is why you look at the data, Christchurch house prices are actually still growing because they're catching mm. up and bridging that gap.
0: Oh, I'm not yeah. an economist. It's just and actually, I just need to say something nice to the bureaucrats, right? Because there are bureaucrats that listen to this. So, my definition of a bureaucrat is someone that works for any form of government, right? If you, let's say you're a bureaucrat and you're involved with housing, if you own houses and you want them to keep going up in value, just keep doing what you're doing, right? Because and and I it's not that I don't care, but like, I just deal with the world how it is. I'm a realist, right? I fight for what I believe in, but I don't um, I don't fight past a point. So if you want houses to keep inflating at 8% every year, houses double every 10 years, just keep doing what you're doing. If you want houses to be more affordable for people, there is one thing you can do, and that is deregulate. Now, let me explain this really clearly for you. A free market will always do a better job than a controlled market. Free market capitalism is pretty much the only noble system to work under. Now, why do I say that? Let's say you're a socialist and you say, I think um, people should get a benefit. Okay, let's break that down. How do you get the money to give someone a benefit? Well, you have taxes. What happens if an individual says, let's say myself, let's say I don't want to pay taxes. How do you take the taxes from me someone arrives with a gun points the gun at me and says you need to pay taxes or you're going to jail a police officer will knock on my door with a gun so socialism is violent inherently because it only works because of the gun without the gun it wouldn't work because people just wouldn't pay the taxes so the government is the only organization in a society that can use violence where capitalism is very different Capitalism is where people deal with each other based on their own free will. I buy an iPhone or a Samsung because I want to. I rent one house over the other because I want to. I work one job over another because I want to. Nobody is forcing me. Free market capitalism is the only system that allows individuals to choose and anything other than free market capitalism only works because of a gun and the violence of the thugs
1: well the easiest way to think about free market capitalism is you get a vote with every time you decide to deal with a business and one dollar is one vote you can choose that coffee shop or this one that clothing store or this one if the market goes i want more sustainable clothing i want to make sure it's not um, slave labor i want to make sure it's sustainably grown cotton I can then choose to buy from that shop and pay that price. If I go, I actually am just a keyboard warrior and have a social conscious online, but in reality I'm going to just spend my money how I want to, I just want the cheapest t-shirt, so I'm going to go to a cheap retailer where I know there's some bad stuff behind the scenes.
0: Yeah, but capitalism didn't do
1: that. No, but Capitalism what I'm saying is, didn't
0: create poverty the, and inherited it. Yes, sorry.
1: what I'm saying is it's more the consumers choose what they want and then a good capitalist or a good business owner will adapt to what the customer wants. If everyone actually yeah. goes, I want um, sustainable clothing and everyone starts buying sustainable clothing and everyone starts going, hey, where are your clothes made? Can you prove to me, do you pay a living wage in the country of origin? Then all of a sudden, people won't make slave labour clothing. It's like coffee cups. But also,
0: but also, this whole living wage thing, right? As long as the individual chooses to work there, it doesn't matter what they're being paid. Like The pay is actually semi-irrelevant as long as the person decides to work there by their own free will, right? The only reason there's people being underpaid in these countries is because they have government controls that haven't allowed free markets and competitive wages to develop. And actually, on that note, so if you're a bureaucrat, and I'll give you an example, right? Picture in your mind what is the most free industry that exists in the world. And just think what is an industry that has very little government intervention and bureaucracy and it is tech it is the internet and i'll give you an example of what an industry does when you have no government interference you can see everything in the whole fucking world for free and every two years the global computing power doubles and the only reason tech has thrived as an industry is because it is not regulated so Where do I get to at this point? If you're a bureaucrat and you want housing to be more affordable, the best thing you can do, open up your book of rules and just start crossing them out line by line. Cross them out, cross them out, cross them out. The free market will do your job. We do not need you to regulate us. We don't want your opinion. We don't want your gun. We don't want you to tell us what to do. Leave us alone. But I'm also going to play within the rules that I'm given. So if you want to keep regulating us and house prices go up every um, 8% every year, double every 10 years, Blair and I own a heap of houses. So it's fine, right? I, I don't care. I'm going to win either way. That was a bit cynical. I should be more positive. That was
1: a good run. That's very true though. Like, just the epitome of... In most A socialist
0: is a thug with a gun. Yeah. There is nothing righteous <laughs> about being a socialist.
1: There is nothing right about being a socialist. And mm. taxing us to... Death. And they're
0: like, oh... I'm a little bit left. I get these messages all the time. Oh, I'm a bit left leaning. Um, you know, I, we agree on a lot of things. You know, it's like, bro, your system literally only works because you have. Account. Well, I think
1: no one understands that when people go, oh, the government needs to fix us. It's not the government at all. It's the taxpayers, which is you as the individual, giving money to an organisation which is pretty shit at doing just about everything, and they will inefficiently try fixing where they have no skills or expertise or experience in.
0: Think of the last time, the listener, because this theory might sound like radical to you, but think of the last time you're like, wow, the government did a really good job of blah, blah, blah.
1: I can't think of one. Especially when you think most of the things in your central city is actually going to be your local council which is a whole different debate but if you go oh I really like this in my city it probably wasn't the government
0: it was probably your local council. And then it gets even worse right because actually I'm not even going to go there. (laughs) Yeah. No we'll
1: leave it there.
0: We'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. But look oh sorry no I am going to go there. I probably pay 50% of the income I earn in taxes right so I work as essentially a servant to the government for half of my working life
1: you're a good little slave
0: Matthew I know and I didn't sign up I didn't hey I didn't get given a contract when I was 18 years old and say do you agree to give half your life to working for the government
1: well I always say it's kind of like paying taxes kind of like the subscription fee to live in your country
0: Yes, and and you can. You, where you are right, I can leave. And New Zealand bureaucrats slash all bureaucrats. This is why you need a competitive tax system, especially for corporate Be, tax. Yeah, because you'll get you'll push people. People will deal with a lot of your shit, right? But there is a line where people won't deal with it. The easiest
1: way to look at it is, we're actually very fortunate as a society. In America, they have different states and different states have different rules. So there's federal law where they might have a federal tax rate, but each state can individually have different tax rates, different planning rules, mm-hmm. different fuel taxes, etc. Same with like with the COVID-19 stuff. It was each state had their own rules. It wasn't just America has this rule. And mm-hmm. what it showed is California has heaps of taxes. They hate rich people. They are all about this whole EV, clean, green, sustainable society. And now most people have said, you know what? I'm fucking sick of living here. I'm just going to go fly four hours to another state which I pay less tax and have more freedoms and then I can decide if I want an electric car. I can decide if I want a big V8. I can decide if I want to buy a big house or a small house. I can decide if I want to use a plastic bag or a paper bag and I'm sick of the government just telling me what to do. And what it shows is people value their freedoms of just having the choice. They don't Mm -hmm. like the government just telling them what to do, especially when we're not talking about hey don't shoot your neighbor don't swear at people they're talking
0: about you can't use a plastic bag that's taking away from the when you take when you shoot someone you've taken away their right to live so like that's your i want to say god given but i don't have a god but like your default human rights you'd hope so anyway i reckon we fucking nailed that yeah that was a bit off topic (laughs) but hey it was good I don't think there was a topic (laughs) Welcome to Mornings with Matthew and Blair Enjoy your morning coffee and morning commute Look out Mike Holsky
1: we're coming for you
0: Yeah (laughs) Alright, hey guys um, I'm not even going to ask for the fee (laughs) Unless you really like (laughs) this rant (laughs) Yeah, if you really like the rant you can share it, if not, don't bother (laughs) You're legends and we appreciate you listening See ya, bye